I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Since the day began, much has happened. We're in a moment going to speak, of course, about the convention last night hosted by uh, the Democrats, night one of their uh, national convention. Uh, but first, these two brief things I want to mention. Uh, number one has to do with a presidential pardon. Y- you heard it earlier. Yeah, Donald Trump has pardoned Susan B. Anthony. Yeah, she, uh, back uh, years ago, she was uh, arrested in Rochester, New York, uh, for illegally uh, attempting to vote. Ultimately, she was uh, charged and uh, convicted and sentenced to uh, a $100 fine. Don't believe she ever paid that. Uh, And the charges were were never cleared uh, until today when Donald Trump has uh, decided to exercise the powers afforded him uh, and grant her a pardon, a posthumous pardon. And I know, I know the reaction of many of you is to say, regardless of politics, you probably look at this and think, okay, now that's, that's got to be some kind of pandering, right? Uh, look at the timing of this. Look at the polls, what they indicate. Well, who knows? Who knows what's what? But what I am appreciative of is the fact that it reminds us of the great work done by Susan B. Anthony. You, you know the 19th Amendment? The, the 19th Amendment, uh, which granted women suffrage, it before becoming known as the 19th Amendment, was the Susan B. Anthony Act. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have remembered that if it weren't for Donald Trump's pardon here today. And so one of the themes you hear me return to from time to time when uh, stories arise, there is always something in the periphery worth learning. There is always uh, something, some kind of question that might arise in our own minds or some bit of history worthy of exploration. And in this case, uh, why don't we take the opportunity, instead of uh, pointing the finger of pandering blame at Donald Trump and saying, oh, look at this P.T. Barnum-esque effort to uh, distract, uh, why don't we instead uh, pick up a a book uh, here that talks about the life and the legacy uh, of Susan B. Anthony. Uh, In fact, a little bit of Lee Lonsberry trivia, Susan B. Anthony uh, buried in a cemetery called Mount Hope Cemetery in Rochester, New York, not very far from where I did uh, a little bit of growing up. Uh, a little additional trivia there, Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass, both buried in the very same cemetery. So that uh, is a fascinating thing. Do you have any thoughts on that? 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Also, I'm very anxious to hear what you thought about uh, last night's DNC convention. Before we get to that, uh, let me also point out another uh, bit of news. This all ties together in the in the campaign season and how elements of politics and campaign and the government are all bleeding into one right now in this battle between the Democrats and the Republicans. And that's exactly what it is. Well, uh, the latest development is on the USPS front. I got uh, word not uh, that long ago Uh, Just uh, about an hour ago from the office of the Postmaster General, uh, Mr. DeJoy, and he has uh, announced that uh, retail hours at the post office will not change. Let me back up. You know there was criticism of uh, the post office and specifically 
this new postmaster general, for certain operational changes uh, that he had called for. We went into the details yesterday about what those operational changes were and why uh, they were put in place. But for uh, whatever reason now, likely bowing to, to pressure from all angles or, or to eliminate uh, any, any uh, seemingly wrong, any seeming wrongdoing, uh, the, the Postmaster General has now walked back his commitment to, to those changes. He does uh, assert, though, in a statement that after the election, uh, we will be returning to this question of, of streamlining operations and making more efficient the operations of the post office. But uh, as we uh, discussed and discovered looking at the numbers just yesterday uh, and is also repeated today by Postmaster General DeJoy, the post office is well capable of handling every piece of mail associated with the election this coming November. All right. With or without these operational changes, uh, even in the midst of uh, a pandemic, even in the midst of this coronavirus era and in the midst of uh, another potential round of stimulus checks, the the post office is well capable of handling uh, every piece of election mail this year. Uh, But in an effort to uh, clear the air and make it uh, appear as though no nothing untoward is uh, happening, the the Postmaster General has walked back those operational changes. So uh, keep note of that. Uh, and after the election, we'll see if there are some uh, changes come to the post office. But for the time being, it is status quo. Uh, all things returning to uh, as they were uh, before January, before this was uh, mentioned. Which reminds me, Speaker Pelosi is calling uh, members of the House back to Congress uh, to draft legislation to block these changes. Now, the Postmaster General has, on his own now, walked that back. So you wonder if uh, if the members of Congress are still going to be getting together uh, this coming Saturday, after the convention, of course. Which brings us nicely back to the topic at hand, the convention. The question I have to ask. First off, did you watch it? Did, did, did you? No? Honestly, I, I probably wouldn't have either if it uh, weren't my job to come back and chat with you about it here today. Same holds true for the on the Republican side. Uh, we this year, uh, and really in recent years, uh, recent presidential cycles, have stumbled into a, a circumstance where uh, I'm not really sure that these are needed anymore, right, the conventions. In fact, we'll get into that question in greater detail. But first, what did you learn last night about Joe Biden? Was there anything you learned about Joe Biden as you heard from people like Senator Amy Klobuchar and Bernie Sanders and Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and lastly, uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama? I want to walk through some of the comments, uh, some of the little clips, some of the sound bites contained within the uh, convention last night, night one, the various speeches that transpired over two hours last night, and point out a theme. First off, here is Senator Amy Klobuchar. Democrats, independents, and yes, many Republicans have had enough of his divisiveness. All right, here we have now uh, a quick snippet from Senator Bernie Sanders. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. Okay, that, of course, wasn't Bernie Sanders, but the theme remains. Uh, Here is Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmore criticizing the White House uh, and their response to the coronavirus. From the jump, we took this pandemic seriously in Michigan. We listened to medical experts. We planned 
and with a lot of work from the auto workers and too little help from the White House, we executed our plan. We saved thousands of lives. Just imagine if we had a national strategy. All right. Now, these aren't merely cherry-picked sound bites. This theme of Trump is bad, Trump is bad, Trump is bad was really what you heard for the duration of the night. I was disappointed in that. I had hoped to learn more about Joe Biden. I had hoped uh, to learn more about the Democrats' attitude on uh, freedom and personal liberty, personal responsibility. Didn't happen. We heard about how bad Trump is. We heard about how he bears the responsibility for all economic turmoil we are currently facing. Uh, we heard how he is responsible for the coronavirus. In fact, uh, there was a young woman from Arizona who lost her father uh, to the coronavirus, and she blames Donald Trump for that. Here's what she had to say. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump, and for that, he paid with his life. There were other speakers last night who looked at the, uh, the total death count of those who have fallen to the coronavirus across this great country, and uh, they pointed at Donald Trump. I'd like to get a transcript uh, of the events of last night, and I'd like to do a word search. I'd like to search how many times the name Trump uh, was used and compare that uh, to the number of times the, the name Biden was used, or freedom, uh, or something other uh, than Donald Trump. The platform of the Democratic Party right now is anti-Trump. It's not necessarily Joe Biden or pro-Joe Biden. We're going to take a break. I want to hear from you. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear more from uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama. Uh, I want you to hear some of the claims that she made. I wonder if you agree with them. Also, John Kasich, uh, former... Republican governor from Ohio. Next up on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation here on night one of the DNC convention as it unfolded last night as the uh, various politicians got up and uh, via video shared their thoughts uh, about, well, how bad Donald Trump is and how if you care about this country, uh, you ought to vote against Donald Trump. For who? Well, we've got someone, but don't worry about that. Uh, Donald Trump's bad. He's responsible for the coronavirus, the economic downturn, uh, the racial strife playing out in our streets. It's all Donald Trump's fault. Got a text message during the break. It says, uh, hey, Lee, if you'd actually watch the coverage, you'd know they spoke mostly about Joe Biden and why he's ready to lead. And they have uh, to draw a contrast between him and Trump. Well, that's just not true. In fact, I did watch it start to finish. And here's what I saw. I saw Bernie Sanders, yes. Uh, Bernie Sanders, I will give credit where credit is due. Of everyone who spoke yesterday, uh, Senator Sanders did spend the most time speaking on specific uh, policy issues uh, and specifically where Joe, Joe Biden stands on those policy issues. He also blamed Donald Trump for all of the coronavirus deaths around the country. Uh, but uh, again, where credit is due, uh, Senator Sanders uh, did spend uh, some good time talking about Joe Biden. But here is what I observed in the rest of the speeches. Much time talking about how disappointing 
the past three and a half years have been. And then, in the last 30 seconds of everyone's speeches, that's when it was time to cram in everything you could about Joe Biden. Say Joe Biden's name a number of times. Talk about how many decades you've known him, how long you have been friends, and how warm and uh, unifying he has been. And then uh, step aside and make way for the next video. That's what I observed last night. That's what I observed last night. And I'm, I, I, I won't be surprised if it is the same uh, style when it comes to the Republicans' turn. I think there will be much criticism of Joe Biden and Democrats at large. Yeah. For some unfortunate reason, uh, we have transitioned, uh, at least in our form of uh, political debate, uh, we have uh, transitioned more aggressively. It's been this case forever, but uh, in this cycle in particular, I am observing, uh, as I compare it to other years, I am observing that it is uh, much more about tearing down uh, the other team than building up your own. And, you know, regardless of your politics, I would have been uh, so, so uh, thrilled and encouraged if last night uh, I saw Democrats spending much, much more time on on building up uh, the argument for uh, their own merits. Right. Uh, You wonder someday if one of these conventions, uh, a challenge will be thrown down. Hey, I wonder, is it possible for us to get through a whole night or maybe just a single speech without mentioning uh, the other guy. I don't know. It'd be a tough road to hoe, uh, and I'm not sure if it could, uh, if it would quite work out. Uh, there was one uh, interesting speech last night. Well, they were all interesting, of course, but uh, there was one that I was, in particular, anxious to hear, and it was that of uh, Republican John Kasich, former Ohio governor. Interestingly, <laughs> you ever see that movie Castaway? with Tom Hanks and the volleyball and the island and FedEx and all. Well, there's a scene towards the end of the movie where uh, Tom Hanks is quite literally positioned uh, standing at a crossroads, right? He's trying to figure out, you know, what's next in life and all that. And uh, Anyway, last night they positioned John Kasich to deliver his remarks uh, via video while standing also at a crossroads. You know, symbolism right there, uh, pretty easy, uh, pretty uh, transparent symbolism there. Uh, But it was interesting. It was an interesting use of the medium. And uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how, as the week goes on, how other speakers uh, seek to take advantage of the medium uh, as he did uh, in in that setting. So he, he started off by answering the very basic question, the one that we all had leading up to uh, this, as soon as we heard the news that Republican Kasich would be speaking, he answered the question why he's speaking as a Republican at the Democratic National Convention. I'm a lifelong Republican, but that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. That's why I've chosen to appear at this convention. In normal times, something like this would probably never happen. But these are not normal times. I'm proud of my Republican heritage. It's the party of Lincoln who reflected its founding principles of unity and a higher purpose. But what I have witnessed these past four years belies those principles. There's another question that I had, and you and I discussed this at length here on this program, as to what's the motivation uh, what's the true motivation for Kasich speaking here? And you, you heard him uh, give uh, his own version of things. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call him a liar because I don't believe that he is. Uh, I think there may be other motivations as well. And I think that um, uh, 
as has been borne out in, in history, uh, there have been presidents to select members of the opposing party to serve in their cabinet. And I think uh, that Kasich's involvement in the DNC convention is really a job application. All right, that's how I view it. His remarks uh, continued. He talked about, and this is a theme you heard from many of the other speakers, their long decades uh, of, of having known Joe Biden. Uh, Kasich himself talked about his relationship with Joe Biden. I've known Joe Biden for 30 years. I know his story of profound grief that has so deeply affected his character. I know Joe is a good man, a man of faith, a unifier, someone who understands the hopes and dreams of the common man and the common woman, a man who can help us to see the humanity in each other. He knows that the path to a restored and rejuvenated America lies in respect and unity and a common purpose for everyone. All right. Now, uh, Kasich does continue. He talks about uh, one of the realities. Now, uh, this appearance at the DNC uh, convention by uh, Governor Kasich, it's not a switching of the parties in terms of his formal affiliation. Uh, but what it, uh, it does represent is simply where uh, he feels the country might best be served, it's not removing that reality of him remaining a Republican, uh, at least uh, in name. And so he talks about how he would not necessarily agree with Joe Biden on everything, but rather on some things. Yes, there are areas where Joe and I absolutely disagree, but that's okay. Because that's America. Because whatever our differences, we respect one another as human beings, each of us searching for justice and for purpose. And he concluded discussing, quote unquote, crossing the aisle to support Joe. I'm sure there are Republicans and independents who couldn't imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that because I know the measure of the man. It's reasonable faithful, respectful. And you know, no one pushes Joe around. Yeah. So that is what was delivered yet last night at this DNC convention. I want to open up the phone lines. I want to have a conversation with you in the next segment. The number is 801-575-8255. 801-575-8255. I've had an opportunity to share uh, with you my thoughts now. I would like to hear from you. So if you don't mind, pick up the phone and let's you and I have a conversation about it. Tell me what you observed. Uh, what uh, either surprised you or uh, what met your expectations. And, you know, we have three more days of this thing. Uh, what, what do you expect coming up uh, ahead? And also, how about the format? I, I will, you know, you know in, this, in the spirit of you know, giving credit where credit is due, I do admire them uh, for the slick product they put together. I had envisioned this being some uh, clunky, awkward Zoom meeting, you know, as you see so often, uh, either on TV or in your own workplace when you try to involve video conferencing uh, onto the TV. Well, uh, they didn't do that. Uh, they put together a pretty slick, uh, a pretty slick presentation, all of it hosted by uh, Eva Longoria. I remember her? Yeah, me neither. I had to look her up. Uh, no, of course I remember uh, Eva Longoria. Um, and she did a fine job, right? Very professional, kept things moving. It was, uh, in terms of production value, uh, very, very high. I look forward to seeing how it is the Republicans uh, respond, at least in terms of the technical production of their uh, convention. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I want to hear from you. Last time, I'll give you the number 801 575 8255. 
five. Pick up the phone, give me a call. You and I are talking about the convention next on Live Mike. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I've been pretty worked up about this convention. I haven't uh, given maybe much credit where it is due. I did mention the high production value. Uh, well done. Way to overcome the uh, the technological challenges that have been foisted upon us due to this coronavirus. Uh, I think that uh, some of the breakout session type things, we focused on on the speeches that were delivered by uh, the various politicians. There were, though, uh, on occasion, instances where just regular uh, Americans were brought together and they shared some of uh, their own views and feelings. I think uh, that some of that stuff is incredibly valuable. Uh, I know it's, of course, screened and cherry-picked and uh, you know, you know everyone's views going into it, and certainly not uh, as the candidate, Joe Biden. Uh, his team's not going to let anything air that would be too uh, damaging to their position, maybe at all. Uh, but still, hearing from uh, regular folks uh, is, a, is a good treat, and I think it's uh, a valuable insight. And I hope, I hope the Republicans uh, take note of that, and when it comes time for their convention, uh, that they are able to uh, involve uh, comments from everyday people, everyday Americans, voters in their conversation. So I admire him from that. Uh, I do want to hear from you, though. Did you watch last night? Why? What were your impressions? And how about this? Did Kasich sway you? If you are a Republican, conservative-leaning person, uh, did you see Kasich up there last night and think, hey, you know what? Maybe he's onto something. I want to hear from you. 801-575-8255. 801-575-TALK. First on the line is Aaron uh, from Lehigh. He wants to talk about Michelle Obama's speech. How are you, sir? Good, Lee. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. No, thank you for listening. Thanks for calling in. What did you think as you watched the former first lady last night? Uh, well, I didn't really watch any of it. I'm, I just saw you know tidbits uh, here and there and listened yeah. to it, you know on talk radio today. But uh, just with her speech last night, and 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 the thing that kind of uh, stood out to me in her speech, and and again, I'm I'm not quoting quoting it verbatim, but it was the part where she said, you know, if if you think things are bad now. If we reelect Trump, it's only going to get worse. And the thing I took from that was in regards to what's going on right now in our country. When we have these, you know, violent, uh, what so-called protests and these and these things going on in these cities and things like that, I think that's a precursor to what's going to happen. And if, if that if Trump gets reelected, I think that's the Democrats' thing is it's going to keep going and it's going to it's going to try to disrupt and, and keep this you know pressure and blame Trump for this and. I kind of, I was kind of shocked that that she would come away with that, saying that. That 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 was my take on it. It is interesting as you look at exactly the things that you described and the things that uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama had to say last night would only get worse. Uh, w- when you look at the the specific brand of chaos. Uh, that is existing. Uh, it's kind of like that old saying, follow the money. Uh, well, in this case, why don't we follow who uh, is most benefited by this? And all of the discord and all the chaos and all the uncertainty right now seems to be swaying things uh, in the direction of the Democrats. And so, uh, you know, if you're a cynical person like I tend to be from time to time, uh, you might ask yourself, well, uh, would furthering this chaos and this uncertainty uh, be an intentional move to to curry favor with those voters come November? I don't know. That's an extremely cynical view, uh, but it's hard to ignore. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for the call. Uh, next up, Tammy from Salt Lake City. Tammy, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, that last caller and, and what you were talking about had me baffled. But uh, anyway. Uh, I go, go ahead. T- tell me why. Uh, well, I think that 
it's been shown by the uh, Mueller investigation and the investigations done on Trump that he's gotten away with, he's continually uh, gotten away with more, done more things. It gave him uh, a sense of, uh, I can do what I want. And, you know, this is why Susan Collins is probably going to lose. You know, she's very concerned, but never did anything. So, I mean, uh, I guess that's the point I had to make there, that, yes, I, I do believe that it will get worse, because yeah. it has gotten well, progressively worse. And I don't think <laughs> the Democrats want it to get worse. I think they're looking at reality and what has actually been going on. That's, that's the way I feel about what that guy said. I that's what he meant, but I'm not sure. How about this? As you watched the, the convention, well, let me ask you, did, were you able to, to watch some of this convention last night? I was. It was weird as, only as you, because the situation's weird. You know what I mean? That it's being done the, the way it has to be done. But I, I do think that they are, I truly believe, and I'm, I happen to be an independent, but in this case, I'm definitely voting for Biden. I'll be honest with you. Um, talking about what he has done because I believe they're right and I believe they're concerned about our democracy and what is happening to our country and why we're so divided and so on and so forth. And, you know, you can't really uh, chide them for what they're saying when this is about the election, when you have the president of the United States coming out every day on television you know, in giving a, a rally instead of telling the American people what's going yeah. on with this or that or whatever that has to do with the government or whatever, and lying. Tammy, and you, you said you said you'll be voting for uh, Joe Biden. Can I ask you, are, are you voting for Joe Biden or are you voting against Donald Trump? I'm voting for Joe Biden and against Donald Trump. <laughs> All right. We'll leave it at that. Tammy, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks for, for calling in. Grateful to you for, for your time. Next on the line uh, is Adam from Bountiful. Says he's looking for some adults in the room. Adam, tell us what you're looking for. You know, it's just it's curious to me because both sides are so so polar, polar opposite in the sense that everyone's trying to be right. You know, as a country, we've always been about compromise. And, and I have voted Republican since 1984. And, and, and I couldn't vote for him last time, just like I couldn't vote for Mrs. Clinton. And I can't vote for this immoral person. I just, it's, it's not in me. And I have to balance that out. But even what you said a minute ago is, is kind of, to me, if there's a bias when you say um, that it's, it, you, you imply that it, they kind of want all this chaos. And, and who does it, who does it, who does it favor? Well, you could extrapolate and go further and say, well, yeah, they want all these people to die because then it'll make Trump look bad. I don't think that's correct, Lee. I think that's right. I, I, I hope it's not correct. Uh, I, I truly, truly hope it, it's not correct. But I, I can't help but look around and see that as this uh, uncertainty continues, uh, that it's truly only the, the Democrats who are benefiting from it. I think the 30 percent, 33 percent is really emboldened by no matter what. And again, I, I'm not I'm not that person. I, I've always voted for people, not yeah. for, for groups. And, and, and I, I thought what the, the former governor said was was on point. We, we are better. We haven't been better for for a while. We're, we're just we're really hateful right now. And it's pretty sad. Yeah. You know, I worry for my kids, my grandkids. What are they going to inherit?
Uh, on that, we can agree 100%. Adam, uh, thank you for your call. Thanks for listening, uh, and thanks for being involved in these issues. That's really what it takes is for you and I uh, to continue to follow them and to weigh in and debate and let that debate uh, be heard far and wide. Uh, in terms of reaction, there are a few more reactions here I want to share with you. Uh, you heard uh, Michelle Obama, former first lady, uh, had much to, to say last night. And then, uh, well, the president uh, just this morning uh, from the White House on the occasion as he marked the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. During a Q&A portion, the president uh, was asked what he thought about Michelle Obama's DNC speech, and here's what he had to say. No, I thought her speech was very divisive, and frankly, I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for Barack Obama. See, we're standing in the White House. I wouldn't be in the White House except for Barack Obama because they did a bad job, Biden and Obama. And if they did a good job, I wouldn't be here. I'd be building buildings someplace and having a good time. Be building buildings someplace. Uh, he wrapped up his uh, response to the former first lady's uh, remark, talking about uh, her delivering a pre-recorded speech. Interestingly, here's what he had to say: She should have made the speech live, which she didn't do. She taped it, and it was not only taped; it was taped a long time ago because she had the wrong deaths. She didn't even mention the vice presidential candidate uh, in the speech. And you know, she gets these fawning reviews. If you gave a real review, it wouldn't be so fawning. That is an interesting point, which I had not uh, considered uh, live. You, you wonder uh, how the Republicans will be delivering their speeches, essentially, especially after this criticism from the president. Are, are they all saying right now, uh, d- uh, b- can, can we get those videos back? Uh, I'd like to do mine live. <laughs> uh, interesting observation uh, and really just one of the realities of uh, what we're facing right now. That is the way uh, the, the Democrats put together their uh, their presentation. They collected videos, and sometimes the timelines don't exactly uh, work out. All right, uh, listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, final segment on, on this topic. Uh, but we're going to ask the question, do these conventions even matter? When was the last time a national convention hosted by either of the major parties really mattered? We're going to dig into that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.